Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Ah, well, not much going on. Uh, not much to talk about. I think we can kind of just cruise through this one in like 12, 15 minutes, right, guys? Like, let's sure. just get right into it. Let's lead it off with the intros, starting with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So remember how we all like made fun of Rangers fans last season for telling us a whole bunch of negative things about Elaine Vigneault? We were like, ha ha ha, you guys are so bitter. What a bunch of dorks. Get over yourselves. Well, some of the things they say are starting to make a lot of sense to me, and I really don't like it at all. I mean, so what here's, here's what where I stand on that. So the Rangers fans, number one, crazy. Number Fair. two holds this really, really weird grudge against Elaine Vigneault. True. But then you look at Vancouver and they really liked Elaine Vigneault and they don't have the same type of weird resentment that the Rangers do. So I, I don't really believe the Rangers. Also, this new, this new fucking guy, whatever his name is has been doing the same type of thing that Elaine Vigneault was doing when he was there. I know, we make the jokes. We make the jokes. But so one of the ones that I follow, Alani, um, who covers the NWHL for the most part. Yeah, she she works for the Ice Garden. Yeah, she made a tweet last night before the end of the game that it basically said, the Flyers are going to win this game and people are going to praise Elaine Vigneault for sitting his young players and there are going to be a bunch of Flyers fans that agree with him. And it was like some Nostradamus shit. Because that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, but it's also not quite true. No one was praising. No, people Bear were. Opinions. I mean, no one was praising Elaine Vigneault for sitting Oscar Lindblom. No, people were. I mean, well, they're idiots. They're Those are the same people that are in play. our. Me- that's the same people that are like, well, Samuel Morin saved the Flyers. Like, they're not intelligent people. We don't have to listen to them. Why should, why should the players who aren't working hard enough play? Well, none of them are working hard enough. So I see the veterans out there because, producing. Like, I'm happy to forfeit games where they're losing 7 nothing, 9 nothing. I'm totally happy with that. It's just, it's another case of the selective punishment, in my opinion, is what it is. See, I guess my thing with that was that, because we're talking about the benching of um, Joel Farabee, Nolan Patrick, and Oscar Lindblom in the third period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing with that is, I, I honestly looked at that less... As, you know, obviously there was a degree of punishment there because, I mean, Vino said after the game that I went with my nine, you know, the, the, the nine best forwards, you know, for that night. That's what I went with. I, I shortened the bench. And, I mean, if you honestly, if you do look at the numbers, if you look at, like, for example, the expected goals 
differentials, the three worst forwards by far on the Flyers on you know on Monday night were those three guys. So there is backing from a stat standpoint. Not that not that Vino looked at the stats and was like, oh, their XG is at ten percent. I'm benching them. I just it it's not like he was just making that up. But to me, it was just as much a like shot across the bow of the vets as it was a punishment to the kids because before the game um when we had media availability with Vino, Vino basically said that like this game is on the vets that the vets have to make sure we don't take this team lightly that and that's kind of their responsibility and through two periods they definitely took that team lightly because they just didn't show up and I, I think that move was just as much a basically like all right I put the ball in your guys court you guys are going to be if, if we're going to dig out of this this is on you guys like you got you guys are going to be playing every other shift and you know if if you guys fail it's on you so to me that was it was just as much that as it was like I'm infuriated with my young players like I mean look like Nolan Patrick hasn't been playing that well period Oscar Limblom, I think, has had some really good games, but last night wasn't one of them. And Joel Farry was the only one that annoyed me because he's been playing, yes. you know, very well this season. He did not play well last night, but there were a lot of players that didn't play well last night. Like, I understand benching a line if you just want to go with your other lines. Like, I don't care. Whatever. But when you get a, a power play, maybe your best goal scorer should be out there. That's yeah, just right? like, <laughs> that's just that's just one of them things. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. And Charlie, I have a question. Okay. Where does this team get the fucking balls to take anyone lightly? Like, yeah, uh, that's a, a, a high school team, uh, like a KHL team. Where do they get that mentality? They've accomplished exactly nothing ever. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess the concept of taking taking them lightly like I don't know if that's exactly what they did or if they just didn't have their legs for whatever reason and this has been a recurring problem all month I don't know um but it, you know it certainly would be an explanation they just kind of thought they could just show up and beat the Sabres team because the Sabres team is frankly a joke and that kind of leads into what I was gonna say as my intro which is that you know one thing this game reminded me um you know which as as bad as it is right now to follow <laughs> at least we're not Buffalo <laughs> Yeah, and, and as, as frustrating of a team the Flyers are, like, God, I'm glad we're not covering the Buffalo Sabres. The sequence? I, that, that, okay. This team is just, like, as fragile as the Flyers are right now, holy shit. Mm -hmm. That Sabres team just thinks that they're going to lose. They never once in that game thought they were going to win. The sequence of events that led up to the game-tying goal were absolutely horrendously hilarious. Like, the Flyers are stuck in the neutral zone, fumbling around the puck like a fucking comedy routine for what felt like an entire shift. Couturier just dumps it, and they get off the ice frustrated. The Sabres go retrieve the puck and just go, ah, fuck it, and fire it down the ice for an icing. The Sabres... <laughs> They don't, they don't give up a goal on the initial offensive zone faceoff, have a chance at the empty net, somehow miss, Flyers come down and tie the game. Yeah, they <laughs> barely, was, barely It missed. was a comedy of errors. I yeah, mean, missed they, by, like, inches. They yes. opened, they opened over, because, like, part of it with, the, with Buffalo right now is I just think they expect to lose. Like, they're just huddling together and just waiting to get picked off by snipers, and that's what's <laughs> happening. But, like, it's also just that they're bad. Like, they opened that overtime. With their two forwards being Curtis Lazar and Casey Middlestat. So, like, an out and out draft bust and another out and out draft bust. 
like these are That's fourth th- these are fourth line caliber players basically and they're like yup these are the guys that are going and I might I don't even blame Buffalo's coach because like I think what it was is he had Lazard go on to take the face off and then immediately threw and then Hall come right on. off yeah yeah just to win it but like that's your best move and that's all you've got like it's it's have a coach it's wild <laughs> to me how bad that's that. that even have a coach they have a guy doing the the thing yeah I mean they he's like pretending to be a coach I guess yeah I mean the Flyers lost to the Rangers nine nothing to they didn't have a no coach coat. like so don't need him uh, last but not least Stephalicious D Steph Driver. Yeah, so um, I thought that I personally fixed the Flyers, so I made the mistake. Are you Samuel uh, Moran? Oh, of <laughs> I wish. He's a lot taller than you, Steph. He is. I wish I had the accent of Samuel Moran <laughs> and the good humor of Samuel Moran. I do not. Um, I drafted Carter Hart in one of my fantasy hockey leagues, and that is against my rules. So I dropped him. I just dropped him. I'm like, this is going to fix the Flyers. I'm going to I'm going to drop Carter Hart. He's going to be fine. And that has not been the case. Wow, good job, Steph. I did not fix the Flyers. In fact, I may have made them worse. Hey, they've won two in a row. I mean, that's true. But if you look at the narrative around Philadelphia right now, the narrative is that it's Carter Hart's fault. Whether it's because he parted ways with his sports psychologist before the season, or he can't be waived to go to the AHL, which is a whole other situation. The narrative right now is, yeah, the Flyers' defense is really bad, but Carter Hart isn't trying hard enough. And that's really bad, folks. I mean, Mm. like, seems all right to me. No, I don't think it's anyone's saying. Right. I don't think anyone's saying it's all his fault. No, but like, I don't think that's him, out there. Well, Vino saying anything about Carter Hart out loud to the media seemed like a bold strategy. It's to unacceptable. Me. Well, really, I, it's well, unacceptable. I, I, I mean, he's going he's to have to say something. The play, I don't. Think, I don't think. What, I don't think what he said. Hundred save percentage. I don't think what he said was necessarily the right thing. But like, he's. Yeah, you're sitting your goalie for a week. You're going to say something if you're the coach about it. I know. You, I, I Okay, let me clarify. <laughs> Saying that he's being sat because he doesn't work hard enough, which I think flies in the face of literally every single thing we've heard about Carter Hart since he's like 12. Maybe that wasn't the thing that you say out loud. I, like, I think there's a difference between he needs to work harder and he doesn't work hard enough. I really I and like that. I think there's a difference in that, like, no, he needs to get his shit together and figure this out. I don't care how hard he's working. He needs to work harder. Like, his job is to stop the puck, and he does that occasionally. Like, I, 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 what the fuck? He's terrible right now. It's not Very all bad. his fault, but he's, like, the worst player on the team. See, my, my thing is that and I, I guess we can talk about this now. I mean, yeah, sure. Let's talk about this in intros. Let's dig right in. My my thing with those comments is like I think there's a charitable way to interpret them if you really want to, and I I can't say for sure that that's the way Vino intended them. But but like I think if you if you want to give Vino the benefit of the doubt, there is a charitable way to interpret those comments. That said, when you say the types of things that he said, you just you open the door for national speculation about a guy's practice habits and his work ethic and 
Vino is smart enough to know that, and I just don't like that 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 door was open because it just doesn't seem fair. Like it doesn't it doesn't seem fair to me to criticize a guy's practice habits when your team when you don't notoriously hasn't been able to practice pretty much all month. Like it just it seems like like those comments could have been made way more artfully. And I also don't think that Vino is dumb enough to to like just make a mistake. Like I think that was intended. Yeah. And I don't I don't think it was I don't think it was needed, I guess is my point. Like I don't think that it was just a misspeak. I think it was intentional and I think he feels like he needs to motivate hard. And I just don't know if that's necessarily the right move because I just don't like like I mean, I'm not going to rip Carter Hart for his work because I've seen him practice. Like I've seen him stay after, you know, stay after practice. I've I've heard the stories about, you know, how legendary he is and whatnot in terms of like, you know, off the ice workouts and whatnot. But like, if I'm some national or even just like some local writer on the West Coast and I read those comments, the first thing that's going to pop in my head is that Carter Hart doesn't work hard enough. That he's a kid who's lazy, and I don't think that's an accurate narrative. But if I'm the head coach, I don't think it's right to be be furthering that narrative because people who don't have the context that don't aren't in this area are going to pick up on those cue words and start thinking that about Carter Hart. So well, that's that one of the and they're already thinking that. They're already looking at the numbers. They're looking at how terribly the Flyers have been playing lately and they're already thinking, well, this is Carter Hart's fault. And then Elaine Vigneault is giving them more ammunition. Listen, and one of the things been... the Rangers fans, sorry, one of the things the Rangers fans told us was that he throws young players under the bus. I don't want to talk about Rangers fans just anymore. Saying. I don't want to talk about them anymore. I just think like, he, yeah, you know why they're getting thrown under the bus? Because they're playing bad. Like none yeah, of this that's, shit, that's, none of this fair. shit was a concern when they want, were winning a bunch of games. Like, you know what didn't matter? Like Elaine Vigneault's personality from January to March of last year, like he was a fucking genius then. Like they're playing like shit. So like, what's he supposed to do? Like Carter Hart, they've been babying this guy since he turned pro. Like eventually, someone's got to tell him, like, dude, do your fucking job because you ain't doing it. Like, I, if if I played for this team and Carter Hart's giving up seven goals a game, I'd have a problem with him. Like I'm working, you need to work. I mean, I don't think that you're necessarily wrong when you say they've been babying Carter Hart since day one, because they kind of have. Um, and he is a grown-ass man making grown-ass man dollars. Like, it is okay to be like, get your shit together, but also not okay to say it to the media. Like, it, it, there's, there's a lot of layers here, and I don't like any of them. Including the Flyers. Don't like you guys right now. No, there there are a lot of layers. And, and one thing I pointed out on Twitter yesterday is that, you know, one thing, you say what you will about Vino, but one thing that he has made very clear, and players have confirmed this, you know, both on and off the record to me, is that anything that, we, any public criticism that we hear, like Vino says, so-and-so player has to do this better, so-and-so player isn't doing this, like, the player has heard that directly from the coach before the coach tells it to the media. 100%. So it's not like Carter it's not like Carter Hart was blindsided by this. Like he was probably told almost word for word yesterday exactly what Elaine Vino told us word for word a couple hours later. The problem is I just don't know if it's quite fair. And and one thing that, that is interesting interesting to me about the practice habits thing, which I think is probably what he was getting. 
Like this is this to me is probably what he was getting at. And this is probably the message he was trying to get through to Hart. My guess here is that Hart's been working with Dillaball both on and off the ice. Dillaball is telling him to do things, and Hart isn't doing them. Now, whether that's because Hart doesn't think that they're the right changes to make, or whether that's because Hart's trying and they're just not like it's just not manifesting in his game, I'm not sure. But my guess is like the practice harder comment basically was kind of saying to Hart, like, you gotta listen to your coaches when they're telling you what to fix. And like that's a completely fair criticism. And it's completely reasonable for Vino to send him that message. But, like, again, if you're not with the team, you're going to read that and you're going to think Carter Hart doesn't practice hard. And Carter Hart does practice hard. It's it's very obvious to anybody who watches those practices that Carter Hart practices hard. So, like, maybe let's not forward narratives that are wrong in order to send a message that might be right. And that's, like, like you said earlier— Elaine Vigneault has been around long enough. He can't pull the, no, that was taken out of context. Like, nah, bro, like, you know how to talk to the media. No, he knew exactly what time. he was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, guys, I have some, I have some exciting news. I have some really welcome and welcomed news for you. The flyer season's almost over? It, it's, ah! <laughs> no, no, Charlie, sort of, but, I mean, kind of. <laughs> it's coming, we're coming to that end, but... Thursday and Friday of this week, April 1st and 2nd, two consecutive days off. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, We've done it. We've done it. We're almost there. We We got to get Wednesday at 7.30 against those fucking Buffalo Sabres again, and then two days without a Flyers game. 7.30? (laughs) Yeah, it's a a Wednesday game. I guess it's a national game rivalry night with the two most inept organizations in <laughs> fucking hockey. Um so I want to I want to take a look back at this month uh and I want to look at the March wins and it shouldn't take all that long cuz there were only 6 of them. They were riding high in January and February, 11-4 and 3 coming into March with a 694 points percentage. Then they went 6-9 and 1. Six, nine, and one for a four oh six points percentage. Not nice. Uh let so let's let's look at these six wins that they had. Down three one to the pens after the first one four three in regulation. That's nice. You think like, okay, it's the penguins, we got them. Way to go us. I wrote an article saying, hey, maybe this could be when they get going. Yeah. You know? yeah. Then they were down three one after the first to Buffalo, which is problematic in itself. But they won five four in the shootout. Patrick got the winner. We were thinking, ah, oh, this is this is the one. Patrick, like they'll rally around this. No, no. Then they had a back and forth game with the Rangers. Giroux tied it late in the third. Voracek won it on that crazy long shift with the breakaway OT, uh, breakaway in OT. Yeah, look at the Voracek just stepped up, made something happen. Let's go. No. Then they got up 3-0 on the Islanders, blew it in the last 12 minutes, and Limblom, with his second of the game, wins it in regulation. Limblom, two goals in a game, game winner after a 9-0 loss, a back-to-back. We got this. No, no. Then they have a grinded-out win over the Rangers. Moran scores the first of his career. Yeah, rallying time. Everyone's so happy for Samuel Moran. Finally getting a chance, comes up big. And then you fell down 3 nothing to the fucking Sabres. A team on the worst losing streak since the Penguins were tanking for Ovi, Malkin, and Crosby. Like, 
That's where we are. And they came back and won last night. How come none of the first five sparked anything, though? Like, after that Samuel Moran moment, how come they came out last night just not a care in the world? How can that be this team's personality? I talked about this last night on the radio. That there have been, over the course of the last six weeks, about a million things. Not even just wins. Like the Limblom fight. Like a million things in games that I've thought to myself, surely this will be the thing that gets them going. And nothing has gotten them going. And it's infuriating, to say the least. I don't, I don't understand it. They just don't seem to care at all. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't love that idea of them, I know, not, it's, of them it's, not caring. Well, it's just, it's just because, like... Do they not like, care enough? I, the, the problem with that thing is that, like, they care enough to, like, with the, with the notable exception of the 9 nothing game, which was clearly just, like, a fuck this shit. But aside from that, like, they care enough to engineer these comebacks, so, like, it's not like they just don't care. They clearly do care, and they clearly do have some pride. It's just, like, it's, like, selective care. Yes. It's, like, we only care at certain times. There's a, nev- <laughs> and a that level tells of, me- like... Go ahead, no, go ahead. No, just I was say, just going like- to say there's a level of nonchalance that, you know, a team that wins a lot of games is allowed to have that level of nonchalance. Yeah. A team that has accomplished more than exactly nothing in eight yeah. years. Like, oh, we made it to the second round of the playoffs. Congratulations. You're not the worst. Like, you're not in last place. Way to go. Like, you usually don't make the playoffs. Like, this team every other year misses the playoffs. What have they ever done to reach this level of, oh, yeah, we don't need to try in the first two periods? Like, how can they have that in them? How are they not hungrier to win after getting a taste of winning for the first time in a decade last year? Like, how can it not be, man, we really want to accomplish that? Can I just make, like, a side comment about a thing that annoys me? Sure. And it's not just you, William. I hate, and I understand, like, from a mental perspective why it's done, but I really hate the way that this whole eight-year thing is lumped together, like, as if this is the same exact team we've been seeing for the last eight years. It's, like, two guys that have been here for the last eight years. And around them, for most of those eight years, was mostly a bunch of garbage and a general manager who didn't try even once to make it better. So Well, they still I have a general manager who doesn't try to make it better. I, that's not I quite do believe fair. he's trying. I do believe he's trying. And I understand that people want to be like, well, I'll fucking get it done. There has to be somebody else who wants to get it done. There are two players. He's been here since December 2019. There are two players in the lineup that he's acquired. Two. He's been here two years. Because prior to this season, I think that we were all under the impression that this was a good hockey team. <laughs> I think that he was the only one that got it wrong. I think all of us did. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that, Kelly, because, like, let's talk about these last eight years. Who was here for the past eight years? Drew and Voracek. Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, Sean Couturier, Sean Couturier, Michael Raffle, which, Ghost, oh, Ghost Charlie, why are we talking about Michael fucking Raffle? <laughs> Raffle? No. Ghost, Ghost has been here, like, five years? Fucking, like, lots of guys have been here for a lot of this time. It's not just a couple yeah, of guys. That's like, four. That's not lots. Scott Lawton. Well, been here a while. Like, Ivan, yeah. Ivan Provorov's in year five. What are we to, like, 
Like, right, but we're, but we're talking eight. We're talking eight. So like seventy five percent of that time. Okay, but like, okay. So yes in the last no. five, so let's call it the last five years. They've accomplished exactly nothing other than getting bounced before the second round of the playoffs. They've accomplished like they've exact they've accomplished exactly nothing over the last five years. That's okay, a long fucking I'm not- time to do nothing. I'm not disagreeing with you, but we need to look at the context of the last five years. Like, yes, we're all angry. We are all angry. But the context of the last five years is two different GMs, two, three different head coaches. Like, there's been a lot, and and a global pandemic. Like, let's not forget that part. It's only a a pandemic in Philly. Tampa Bay, there's no pandemic. They well, were actually, a good team, and in those five years, were favorites to win the cup, and I had already given up on them. So, like, they accomplished precisely nothing for a lot of those five years, too, if we're just going back five years. And they, then they accomplished they something. accomplished precisely one thing in one season. Like, that's it. I mean, they, they weren't, like, the most frustrating team in hockey that you just wanted to throw in the garbage. The context of those previous seasons is they weren't good, but they were supposed to be by now. And now they're fucking worse. And that's worth criticizing yeah. a group that has accomplished nothing. They should be trying harder. I, I'm agreeing with you. I am so fucking sick of this team. I hate every single one of the hockey players. Like, if we were to go down, if our entire show was going down the roster and being like, name something you like about these guys, I would not be able to name one single thing I like about any one of these flyers. Anyone. And that is... Very not my personality because I can find something nice to say about everyone's kids or pets. I don't like anybody kids. on the team right now. I mean, my my thing with the, with the whole eight years thing is that, and these honestly are the things that that frustrate me the most because it's like it's like one of those things that is perfect, perfect for talk radio because it sounds it sounds great in a soundbite and on the surface level it sounds like the smartest observation in the world but like if you really scratch below the surface it's like okay we're pissed off that they've been bad for eight years that's that's totally fair what are we going to do about it well we're mad because the team hasn't won okay well what are we going to do about it we'll trade everybody like well no you can't do that because then you've wasted everything like you can't just blow up a team because you're mad at it because then you're just going to proceed to be even more mad at it mm-hmm. when the team doesn't have nearly as much talent as it used to and then you have to go through the whole thing again. So, like, I get the frustration and I get that it sounds smart, but, like, number one, a lot of things have changed. Number two, the roster makeup has changed. No, it hasn't changed in full because no team turns over their entire roster every three years just because they're mad. I mean, they don't like, like, <laughs> Just like, because they're mad. Like, no, like, like, no, like, no, no one does. No one does. I mean, like, so, two, so what two you guys gotta, so in the lineup, gotta, two guys. So what you got to look at is, okay, we have these players. We, like, these players should be viewed as kind of just like a combination of talent. How do we improve the team? By not necessarily, like, turning, let's say, like, the aggregate talent level of the Flyers, you know, in terms of raw, true talent, and just making up a number, like, is, like, 640. Maybe the 640 raw talent doesn't mix well together. So, you can cut down the raw talent level to 610 if that 610 mixes better. That's fine. I'm cool with that. 
What you can't do is cut down the raw talent level from 640 to 400 and think that's going to work because it's not. Like, you can make a couple trades that you maybe, like, lose the trade from a true talent standpoint in order to improve the mix. That's fine. What you can't do is you can't make six trades, cut your talent level down to 400, and then wonder why your team sucks. So, like, that's what I mean by, like, there has to be nuance here, and there has to be, like, you can't just respond to, I'm mad at the team, so just blow it up, I don't care anymore, because all that's going to lead to is you then becoming even more mad when the team is even worse than it is. But, like, who's, like, I'm not saying blow it up, I'm saying change literally anything. Make any so, change. Which is fair. Like, which is fair. Change something. Because you've changed nothing since you got the job. You, you Two players in the lineup. Two. Well, I mean, that, well, I mean, they did make changes in the first offseason that Chuck Fletcher had. And that resulted in the team having the sixth best record in so hockey. Two years and ago. Going, and, and going to the second. Well, it's two years ago because the entire thing was paused because of a global pandemic, man. Like, All right. like let, let's. It's, that was still last season. There, there like was, it was last there season. There was one. Like, Chuck Fletcher has had two off seasons. One off season he nailed. One off season he clearly didn't. So like, let's not try to make it sound worse by being like, "Well, it was." Two You're years allowed ago. to like, do things in season, though, other than bring in Derek Grant and Nate Thompson, right? Like that's it's it's legal. Sure, it, it's not against sure. the rules to improve the team in season. Sure, okay, it's, it's not against the rules to do that. Well, does he know that? I would think so. Yeah, he has so- never attempted it. Um, I would not agree with that because we have no idea what he's been attempting and what he hasn't. You need someone receptive on the other end, and with a frozen cap right now, nobody is receptive. Uh, there have been trades. I mean, like, not it's a lot. happened. Not a lot. And also, like... Uh, you don't get paid for not... excuses. I, I tried. Like, what the fuck no, are we doing here? But it's not an he... excuse. It's a reason. Like, there's a difference. He's not dealing from a, a position of strength right now, and if... Other teams are saying to him, if you want our good player, you're going to have to give us Travis Sanheim and Morgan Frost and picks. Like, no, that's not. But you're not improving. The, if you're subtracting talent, how good is Travis Sanheim? You're not improving the team. Cares. Okay, don't These act are like, like that. a lot of different conversations that we're having well, at once. It's, it's, because I can't it's because Bill is running the conversation, like, and, I can't and he and he, what you're he mad over about. he overwhelms the conversation with five conversations. Like I uh, can't I can't follow what you're mad about, what I'm supposed to be responding to. So instead, I'm going to take over the conversation. <laughs> I did a, a Twitter thread on after that big Rangers loss. What would you do, like as Chuck Fletcher? What would you do? And, and I'm going to throw that out to the group. One move, what would you do right now? I would trade all of my bad players for good players. Nope, we're not doing sarcasm. <laughs> oh, damn it. What would you do? So I'm going to steal Charlie's idea from the Slack chat last night because it's actually a good one, and I would trade Jake Voracek for nothing just to change the mix. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah, I, I mean, the point, the point I made in Slack is like, look, if you've decided that the mix has to be changed, you know, and by the mix, it's like, okay, make a big move. And I, I've made this point on Twitter. I've made this point on the show. Like, the guy that gets moved is Voracek. Yeah. Because we said that you literally, because you literally can't trade Claude Giroux. You're not allowed. Huh. And if you trade Sean Couturier, then you're basically saying, okay, we're rebuilding. And like, fine. I think some people are receptive to that. I'm not. So if you're going to make a big move, like, fine. Like, that, that's, that's the point I made about, like, 
why are we talking about Michael Roffel? Because, like, okay, fine. Like, if if trading Michael Roffel will show people that the Flyers are doing something, like, that's fine. And in all honesty, like, I'd be fine with them trading Michael Roffel now because he probably shouldn't be re-signed anyway, and Tanner Zelensky is probably better than Michael Roffel right now, so whatever, trade Michael Roffel. But, like, if you're going to actually make a consequential move, that's, like— that's not trading Michael Roffel or trading Scott Lawton or whatever. Like, that's trading someone important. And Jake Voracek is the guy who, like, okay, he doesn't have a no-trade clause. He's clearly in, like, decline relative to where he was four or five years ago. And if you were to find a way to move him, that would clear space for you to add new pieces. Now, it might not clear as much space as you think because there's a very good chance you'd have to take on a bad contract to do it, but it certainly would change, like, the locker room mix. So to me, if you're going to do something big that's hard, that's probably the big move that you make. Bill, what would you do? One move, what would you do? Strip the C. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) <laughs> Didn't I already no, like, say we're not doing sarcasm? I'm not sure he's being sarcastic. I'm not sure I'm being sarcastic either. Uh, <laughs> what would you no, do? Like, I would trade Shane Gossespierre. I would trade literally anybody. I would trade one guy. I would make a hockey trade. I would trade more than one guy, but I'd start with one. Like, trade literally anybody. So for me, what I would do is I... I, I came up with a lot of a lot of what would you do and how would this work and this is why it's a good idea and this is why it's a real shit idea scenario. So my first thing was fire the assistant coaches. Like yep. at this point, I, how are they employed? At th- exactly at this point, how do they still have a job? And sure, this is going to potentially create a tenuous position or a situation with Elaine Vigneault, but look at your fucking team, bro. Like, someone needs to be held accountable. It shouldn't you're be lucky a, that it's not you. It shouldn't be a comfortable position. Like, you just, you're fucking, right. you're like, fucking around with the Sabres. Sorry, we're firing your friends, but look at your team and you're lucky that it's not you. You're lucky that we're letting you keep your job to fix this mess. And then let him pick his next assistants. There are guys out there. But that's, that's where I would start. I don't give a fuck about AV's relationship with Chuck Fletcher if that's what's keeping this team from becoming better than this shit that we've been watching. I could not care less. So that would be number one. Go ahead, Charlie. No, I, I mean, the thing with, with Fire and the assistant coach is, like, there probably is a way you can do it. Like, my understanding, number one, w- one thing that's, that would be interesting, I don't know if they would do this, um, because I do think they think highly of him. But, like, someone did point out to me that, like, it's not like Chuck Fletcher hired Kim Dillabaugh. Like, mm. he, was a, he was a holdover. Like, he was not a Chuck Fletcher hire or an Elaine Vigneault hire. Like, they just kept Kim Dillabaugh because he's a good goalie coach. Like, he, he coached up John Quick. Like, he's a good goalie coach. But that also means that, like, there isn't that loyalty of, like, he's their guy. And the goalies are playing poorly. Real bad. So... Like, that is something you could do. I don't know if they would do it. But if you think, like, hey, maybe Carter Hart needs a new voice that might do a better job of getting through to him, maybe that's something you do. And that is something tangible that you would do. And people would be like, yeah, that makes sense. When the team has the worst save percentage in hockey, maybe the goalie coach gets fired. <laughs> sure. That's a position that you that, that would make sense and a move that would make sense if— you didn't just say to everyone, well, it's Carter Hart's fault that he's not working hard enough yeah, and it's not 
the goalie coach's fault. It's a fair point. (laughs) That just happened. Like, you can't say Carter Hart isn't listening and not working hard enough if, if you think the goalie coach is the problem. So then we look into trades. Like, let's... Let's do a big trade. And it's got to be someone that is important. Again, Michael Roffle is probably important enough in the locker room, but on the ice, not. So it's got to be someone that shakes up what's happening in in, in the the chemistry of the team. So Shane Gossespierre would probably be a big deal. Uh, Jake Voracek would absolutely be a big deal. And yeah, Claude Giroux has the no-move clause. Could he be persuaded to waive that to be like, listen, bro, like we want to send you to a winner because this team stinks, smells bad. Like, could he be persuaded to to waive it? In reality, probably not. But is it worth the conversation? Maybe he's got one year left on his deal after this one. People would want him. So I, I, I don't know. It hurts me on a personal level. I want to see Claude Giroux in orange and black until... We all die, but it could it could make sense. Now, who else would really shake up this this team? Um, any of the young guys? Yeah, but any, I don't of, think any of the any of the young guys would definitely. Any shake of up. the young guys, like, and and, and, think- and, I, and I think I think that's going to happen. Like I think somebody there's going to be a young guy that people like that I think is going to get moved in the summer. And I'm not saying that as like I know who it is. Like I don't know who it is. I just think that at some point, like you got to give to get. And the Flyers' most valuable assets are their young players. So I would be very surprised if the Flyers enter next season with all of their 25 and under players that are currently on the team still on the team. Just because, like, I don't know how else they're going to do the kind of roster shakeup that I think they realize is needed. And on that note— I, I just don't think it's going to happen now. Like, I don't think that Ivan Provorov is going anywhere, but— Looking at his play on the ice lately, he could, and I'd be fine. That was a nice move in overtime last night. Nice, nice move. What was that? Nice move in overtime last night. You know, between that and what he did in Montreal last year, maybe move Provorov to wing. Oh God! For fuck's sake! (laughs) All right. On that note, we're gonna. I'm just saying, if you can move Provorov for a, a legit one D, you can't. You can't. Right, but I'm saying, if you could, if you could. On that note, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute. All right, everybody, we are back. Uh, That was a fun commercial break. (laughs) Hang on to the end of the show. Maybe you'll find out what happened. Uh, So I just have a question. Are they just fucking tired? Like, I'm tired. You all look tired. Charlie looks like he died three days ago. I'm just like... (laughs) Everyone's ex- facial expressions, everyone's like frustration level appears tired. Are they just fucking tired? I'm sure they are, but every team is fucking tired. Yeah, sure. And not all of them are blowing it every single night. I don't want to hear so, that shit. Yes, yes, yes. They're, they're definitely tired. Um, I think that a fun question to ask would be to the players, have they ever played at this pace before? Because it's... Well, they haven't. I mean, th- it's no. one of those things. Crazy like, pants. Well, they so- definitely haven't. Um, I was going to say in college, there's... No, college schedules are actually even easier. In college, they you play... They like, really don't play during the week. You play yeah, Friday, play Saturday, back-to-back, and then you're done. Yeah. Like, the, the only schedule that, like, 
even remotely gets close to this demanding is actually the AHL because they do those like weekend series yeah. where like sometimes they do like basically like the three and threes. So like the AHL schedule is the only one that is like remotely, but then they have big gaps. That's the thing. Like they don't, it's not this relentless. Look, like I'm sure they're tired. Is that an excuse? No, because everybody's tired, even though like I will, I will acknowledge that the Flyers schedule, even compared to most of the other teams that are going through it, like the fact that they had the COVID pause makes their schedule worse because they had to fit in a few yeah. more extra games here and there. So like compared to like, say the Penguins, their Penguin schedule is bad, but it's not this bad. That said, I mean, the point I've, I've made throughout this whole thing is that it's not the schedule is part of it, but like that's not the reason. It's more like to me that the issue with the schedule is like this was always going to be bad. The schedule is just making it worse. Yeah. Like the schedule isn't the reason why they're playing like shit. The reason why they're playing like shit is because the goalies couldn't stop a puck to start the month, and then the players fell apart as a result of that, and now the process is a mess, and now they can't play defense. So like that's the reason. But the but the fact that the schedule has been this relentless just makes those reasons be even worse because they don't have time to fix it and they're tired, which then makes them play worse defense, which then makes it harder for the goalies to fix the problems that are making things. But like it all just compounds on itself. So like yes, the schedule's playing a role. That said, like because look at it this way: if you're a winning team and you're doing the right things, and you have a demanding schedule, a demanding schedule is kind of fun. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, you're on a roll. We're, we're, we're playing well, we're on a roll, and we just get to keep going out there and keep winning. Like, you really start picking up momentum in a demanding schedule because, like, everything's going right, and you're trusting your teammates, <laughs> and you're trusting the coaches, and you're trusting that you're going to get decent luck, and you're trusting you're going to get saves, and then it's like, yeah, keep throwing me out there, guys. Like, keep, you know, yeah, three and four nights? Let's fucking go. But when you're losing, it becomes like, oh my God, I want to go to sleep and I got to go out there and get my teeth kicked in again. Like, that's how all of this is happening. And then you get March for the Flyers and you just get everyone wants to die. Fucking And by imagine, everyone, it'll just mean the players. Imagine, <laughs> but also us. Imagine being Buffalo. <laughs> Imagine. I do so, feel actually bad for them. I know, like watching last night, I was like, oh, wow, this is beyond, like, it, this isn't fixable. Yeah. Like, you have three nothing lead and you lose 40 seconds in the overtime. <laughs> but mm. fuck the Sabres. They're, they're their own problem. Uh, so, like, obviously it's nobody's fault because, like, there's a global pandemic going on. But how frustrating is, is it that, like, there's obviously something wrong beyond like there's an overarching thing here there's something else wrong than just the play on the ice there's something causing it but the media has like next to no access like i find it extremely frustrating like yes the media played too big of a role in the breakup of like the dry island squad but we also got to hear about shit like Pronger and G, G getting into it in the locker room. Like, I would like a crumb of something that I just feel like the Zoom calls and shit can't fully accomplish. Like, is this frustrating anybody else? No. Well, yeah, I mean, like, look, I, I cover the team, so obviously I'd prefer to have more yeah. access. And, I mean, look, you still hear things, yeah. you know, even just, though you're not there. It's just different. But... Yeah, well, it, of course it's different, and it's been a it's been a it's challenge filtered. for you know for everyone involved, absolutely. 
But you know, the point I'll make about that concept, the concept, because this is really going into um, what uh, what Kiprio said in his in his um, uh, podcast, radio show, whatever it was, um, a few days ago, and I think Kelly transcribed it. Basically, he made the point that he's heard that there's a disconnect between the younger players and some of the veterans, um, and that that's caused some tension. And I don't doubt that there's truth to that in the sense that, like, guys get pissed. I mean, I've written, I think justifiably, that, like, the young players aren't playing well. Like, the most of the veterans are playing pretty well, and the young players are the ones that are really, really struggling this year. The point I'll make is, like, I don't think anybody dislikes each other. Like... I'm sure that there, there are like, you know, some players may think that some other players maybe aren't as good as their reputations and whatnot, and you get frustrated with somebody because you're worried, you're like, is he really all in? But like, everything gets amplified when you're losing because then everybody's pissed off. And then it's like, okay, well, all those things that normally aren't really that big of a deal that literally every team has, like, every single hockey team, everybody doesn't like love each other. Like, you have clicks. You have, like, hey, this young player that the organization thinks is really good, I don't think he's as good as they think he is. Like, I don't dislike him as a person, but maybe, like, it annoys me a little bit when he's still getting 15 minutes a night, even in games where he's struggling. Like, these are the things that pop that, that pop up on any team. And when you're losing every night, often in embarrassing fashion— those fault lines get exposed. So, like, I don't doubt that there's some tension, but, like, of course there's tension. The team's playing like shit. It's natural. To your point, though, I think, like we said last week, how they just need an asshole on this team. Like, Jake's a sarcastic dick, but I don't know if he's, like, going to scream in anyone's face, <laughs> except Mike Sielski. Um, hmm. Like, <laughs> like I think one of the problems is they all, like, they do get along too well. It's like a, oh, yeah, well, it's my buddy over there, like, not going to yell at Nolan Patrick because he's fun to hang out with. Like, I, I'm i just, I just said a name. I'm not actually saying he's fun or not to hang out with. Throw in Travis Connect. <laughs> the face was, I don't know if he's actually fun to hang out does with. does not seem fun at all. <laughs> I'll say it Travis out Travis Konechny, who the fuck ever? Just That one's better. Player Thank X, you. okay? Like, I think there's a little too much... Like, Kevin Hayes, I like to text the boys and keep things loose. You need that. But sometimes you should not be loose. Things are not loose right now. Things need to be, like, a little more tense. I, I don't think they're loose. I, I think things are pretty tense right now in that locker room. Um, and, I mean, there's there's something to be said. Because I, I really don't think that, that Kiprio has just made that up by no, any means. I think no. he's obviously hearing this. And I think there's obviously something to it. And, I mean, you know, I... I I hear rumblings. Like, I don't hear that, like, the locker room is in chaos. But, like, yeah, they're pissed off. Like, one one thing that Ghost said after a game that I thought was pretty telling, um, especially because, like, he theoretically could be considered part of this, but, like, he's not over the age of 30. Um, he said something in his rant when he did the, like, this is fucking, like, we're getting absolutely fucking killed in front of the net and things like that that everybody loved. He said something else, and it was basically the extent of, like, it's not fair to the older players on this team. And I think, like, I don't think he was talking about himself because I don't think he views himself as old, but I do think he was referring to guys like Drew and Voracek. And I think there's an element of those guys realize their window is closing. and. They maybe get frustrated that 
the younger guys maybe don't have that same urgency yeah. because their window is not closing. Like for them, this can just be kind of like a shit year. And in so many ways, it is just a shit year. But for Drew and Voracek, like it can't be. It can't just be a shit year because they don't have too many shit years left. <laughs> so, and that, that gets to a great point. Um, I made the joke about Drew earlier and like, you know, I all, you all know, I love G and uh, he's one of the few guys. Like I never question his effort. I know. I don't think he's smart enough to like take a shift off. Honestly, like <laughs> I know he's fun. I, mean, I know not he's a bad thing to say. I, no, I know he's working his ass off. Like when he's out there and he's a lead by example guy, how come like it doesn't seem to translate? Like, he works his ass off, and he can will them to a win personally. Like, last night, he was great in the third period and in overtime. But how come we have this situation where it's like, yeah, we got to bench some guys? Like, why doesn't it translate? So can I tell you a thing that I made up in my head that's not at all real, but I've decided that it is? Oh, 100%. <laughs> so this whole idea of a disconnect between the young guys and the old guys what Charlie said made a lot of sense, I think, in the sense that these guys know that their window's closing, and so they have a sense of urgency that the young guys don't. But also, um, it seems like a lot of our younger players are kind of just like goof off, having fun out there kind of guys. And maybe the disconnect is that Claude Giroux, just to use him as an example, is like, I'm going out there every fucking night and sometimes I have to do it by myself. What is your problem, young player X? Like, maybe that's where the tension is because it makes sense to me that there yeah. would be that kind of tension there because a lot of nights it is Claude Giroux going out there with his old ass, getting it done. <laughs> and then, you know, Travis Konechny and Nolan Patrick are fucking around not doing anything. Like, and why so it's gotta be frustrating for him. I, I just don't think that's necessarily fair because Ivan Provorov plays 30 minutes a night and he's one and of the young guys. Well, he's been playing like shit this well, season. Well, yes, so. but still, he plays 30 minutes a yeah, night. I'm not no, saying like, it's every young guy that they, I'm, I'm sure that they don't have a problem with every single player under the age of 30 on the team, but there are quite a few of them that are underperforming big time this season. And if I'm Claude Giroux, I would be kind of pissed off that. Travis Konechny is nowhere to be found after playing lights out last season, and there's no real reason for it. Like, what is your problem, bro? Start scoring goals. He had some chances uh. last night that were just like, God damn, those both go in last year. Like, <laughs> I know, right? I mean, quietly, so quietly Konechny, if you actually look at his numbers over the last, like, 15 or so games, like, he's back to being close to at a point-per-game pace. Like, Konechny quietly is scoring again. It just doesn't matter because we're all so pissed off. I was going to say, Charlie, like, I don't even <laughs> notice when they win games anymore because everything <laughs> is so bad. When Bill said that they won six games in March, I was like, wait, when? Did? Yeah, because I don't remember any of those. <laughs> no, that's yeah, but like, 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 I think, quietly. I think that it gets real fucking ugly when players on this team start blaming each other. Uh, like we can blame them, but I mean, if they're, I'm not if saying they're that in they the are. locker room, I mean, if they're up. in the locker room blaming each other, then then shit's gone real fucking. Well, bad. I mean, it's very well, shit's gone real yeah, fucking bad. I mean, like, and I'm, I'm not yeah, saying like, like I'm not saying they're all. Bl- of real yeah, bad. I know, but like. Shit has gone real bad in terms of the on ice, so it wouldn't, you know, I understand. Like, I look, let me put it this way. Like, 
you're, like, let's say you're let's say you're you're Jake Voracek, and I'm, not, I'm certainly not saying that he's done this, but like let's say you're Jake Voracek, and you're like you know you you can see you know that you only have a few more years of being an impact player in this league, and like you know that you're sympathetic to Carter Hart because he's going through some shit, and he's you know and he's struggling, and they watch him and they like him as a person, but you hit the locker room in the second intermission after you're giving up six goals and 11 shots. And like, you might not even mean it, but you're just like, come the fuck on, dude, like make a save. Yeah. Like, I know that you're not. And, and like, you know, you know, deep down that it's not all his fault. You know that he's going through shit. You know that the defense is just as much, if not more to blame than him. But you know what? You're a human being. And you say stuff that you don't fully mean because you're pissed off. And, and like, should you should you do it? No. But like, everyone in the history of the world has done it. And like, in Jake's defense, whoever took it easy on him? Like, it's been all his and Giroux's fault for a decade. And they're the only good players. Like, whoever. <laughs> and, 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 and to be clear, I am not reporting that Jake Voracek no, yeah, called out Carter. No. I'm talking in hypotheticals yeah. that like. If if like a, a older player just lost his shit and was like, God damn it, just play better on a younger player. I'm not saying it's right, but I am saying I could understand why someone could lose their temper. No, I fully given understand the circumstances it. of the situation. I remember when G? I was it his rookie? No, it was his second year when like him and Pronger got into it in the locker room, and it like Pronger even said afterwards, like, remember what happened after that? Like, I missed a bunch of games. Like, clearly, I'm going through some shit too. I realize he's young, but like, play better, man. This is it for me. Like, I fully understand the veterans. Like, that's what I wanted to ask. Like, okay, so. Last night, the third period take, turns into the G. Jake and Cooch show, and like the Hayes line played too. I don't want to leave them out, and they did well. Um, but how are we? St you know who should have been benched in the third period? G. Jake and Cooch. And you, you, why should they have been benched? Because the game was seven nothing Flyers, and the veterans need to sit down. Like it should have been the other way around. How are we still? It's them. It's their teams. Like they're still the highest paid guys to the best players, especially Cooch. But like. How are they dragging this team to win still? Why? Well, I mean, it's because all the young players, you know, number one, and we knew this, you know, that really the only young player on the team that had star potential probably was Hart, and obviously Hart is not playing like that this year. But part of it is just, you know, when you're an older player and you're still productive and you're still in the top half of the lineup, you know, that's just the way a team works. You know, people are going to look to you. But it's also that, like, the younger players, you know, they, like, let me put it this way. If you add Connor McDavid to a team with veterans, he's immediately going to become one of the, you know, the players you look to because he's just that damn yeah. good. There's nobody on this team that's a young player, aside from maybe Hart, that is that damn good. So because of that, it's just the status quo remains the same and it still gets deferred to the older guys who are still productive and still at the top of the lineup. So I want to do something fun now, because goddamn was that, uh, that was just, that was a depressing 56 minutes. Um, so this crazy idea came up on the, on the postgame show that I said I'd mention because I loved it so much. Somebody suggested, should, at, like, I realize this is impossible. I just want to know, would you do it? Would you just swap this entire roster to Seattle for the right to the expansion draft? Would you make that move? Yeah, for funsies. I think it would be fun to draft a team from start. Although, could we have C 
Seattle's front office in the trade as well? <laughs> Could we have the entire organization? <laughs> now there's That's a fair. question. Yeah. <laughs> that that is interesting. Because I don't know um, if I trust this particular group to draft a team from scratch. We'd have a lot of I, I guess, glass running around. I guess my answer is no, but like I understand why people are frustrated enough that that would seem like a good idea. Steph? Yeah, my answer is also no, but to take it a step further than what Charlie said, imagine how much worse it could potentially get <laughs> I mean, with a group of guys you don't already hate because then you would have hope and there's nothing worse than hope. I mean, I had hope coming into the season. <laughs> they, they're they going to miss the playoffs. Like, I had hoped that they were a cup contender. Uh, it's it's just, oh, Jesus Christ. And uh, I know. speaking of the cup, there's only so much we can talk about the Flyers. Who do you got winning it? Who do you think walks away with this thing? We're more than halfway through the season. It, it, there's so much focus because we only play the division teams. We never talk about the other divisions like because we don't see them unless you're deciding to stay up late or watch hockey on a Flyers off night, which, Jesus Christ, that makes you a sick, sick individual. Uh, <laughs> who, do you, who do you think is winning it? Yeah, that's the problem. With this schedule, like, the idea of watching hockey when the Flyers aren't playing right now is makes me want to kill myself. Like, so I have not watched a single hockey game that's not a Flyers game since, like, early February. Some nights I do it just to remind myself, like, oh, no, other teams know what they're doing. Uh, That's what good hockey looks like. like I'm still saying the Avs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Avs, like, if you look at their, and obviously this isn't, you know, a guarantee of championship, but if you look at the Avs underlying 5-on-5 metrics... Like, they're not just good, they're, like, the Chicago team that was illegal under the cap and they had to break up good. Like, they are, they, they are, like, they are Detroit Red Wings with Nicholas Lidstrom and Pavel Datsuk good. Like, it's it's actually bonkers how well they control the shot and chance battle. And as long as their goaltending doesn't totally kill them, or they don't get destroyed by injuries like they were last playoffs, like... It's just hard for me to bet on anyone else that isn't the Colorado Avalanche right now. Vegas? They're good. I, I, don't, just don't, I don't know who's good anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I don't think they're as good as the Avs, but they're they're good. They're, I don't and, know anything and, about hockey. Well, the Avs will have to go through them, probably. <laughs> That's, so. Carolina and Vegas lead the league with a 742 points percentage. Carolina. Uh, I would just... Yeah, Carolina, right? A Carolina Avs final would be so fucking fun to watch. It would that would be fun. I'm dying. Yeah. I'm just I want Tampa and Colorado. Like I just I'm could done I mean it Tampa. very well could like, be. Like I just want I mean, to see the two best yeah, rosters. Like that's who I think has and the ten, two best Tampa, rosters. Tampa will have Kucherov back yeah, for the playoffs. Of um Carolina's really Carolina's really good too. Yeah, I, I guess like the three teams I look at as the favorites right now are probably Colorado, Tampa, Carolina, and then Vegas is there. I don't think they're there. They're damn good. I, the funny thing is, and this is actually like this is honestly one thing that makes it even more frustrating. Hate to bring back to the Flyers, but like, god damn it, <laughs> I don't know if any of the teams in the East are even all that good. No, like they're like they're good, but they're not like cup contender good. Like the Caps, I I think you know they're they're probably going to win the division because. It's Laviolette's first year, and he's going to get the most out of them. Like, I don't think they're that great of a team. The Islanders, I think, I mean, what's happening to them recently is exactly what happened to them last year. They And it's the same point I made a couple shows ago. They lost one really good player, one key player in Anders Lee, 
And now they're just like, they're the well-oiled machine that if you take one part out, they suddenly are not elite anymore. Like, they were legitimately playing lead. I don't think they're the same team without Anders Lee, and I don't know if they're going to be the same team because he ain't coming back. The Penguins, I just don't trust. No, like, I know they're playing really well this month, but I just don't trust them. And Boston is thanking their lucky stars that the Flyers are such a mess because they haven't played well for the better part of a month and a half. You know what's wild about that? Like, we talk so much about how this division is so hard because there's five, five playoff teams for four spots. But, like, those five playoff no, teams compared to... Well, there were at some point. <laughs> like, if you watch really good teams like the Avalanche or the Golden Knights or the Canes play, it's pretty clear that none of the teams in this division are even close yeah, to that level. There's not an elite team here. Like No, no I, think, I don't think so. I think Washington could get to compete level. Like, I think they could give any of those teams a series uh, just because, like, and that's playing their tip-top game. But I, there's definitely not one of those teams. Mm-mm. Everything sucks. So many other teams are so fast. There's no, like, crazy fast team in this division. How bad? Bunch no, of there really old isn't. Guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Washington's a slow team. The Islanders purposely play slow. Mm-hmm. Boston's old-ish, you know, especially at the top of their lineup, I guess. Um, and then who's the team? And Pittsburgh. Yeah, P- Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh plays pretty fast. They play pretty fast. They move the puck. Yeah. How they bad? Play, does... they, they have some bad games, but when they're playing well, they play fast. How bad does this Ekblad injury suck for Florida? Oh my god! Ooh, yeah, and for was, him, that, that looked fucking. Oh. oh, it was excruciating. Yeah, that was I refused to watch it. It was just it. God to see a hockey player like of all of the sports, a hockey player in so much pain. Yeah, I mean no, that poor you. guy. He had to get. Like, he was in so much pain. He didn't know where he was. Like that. Oh, poor guy. It and sounds apparently like Florida though. Is good. Yeah. Weird. What, who knew? Um, one thing I will say, though, about Ekblad is that, and it looked really bad, they're apparently saying he's only going to miss 12 weeks, which is a lot better yeah, than I bad. thought. Yeah, so, like, maybe it was one of those deals, like, which is probably still going to put him out for the season, yeah, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe it was one of those deals where, like, yeah, it's painful as hell, but it was more of, like, something of, like, a clean break mm-hmm. where, like, they're going to do surgery and it will heal, like, quicker than if, like, I, I, I thought his whole leg collapsed. That's, I, I it, it looked like, like he needed a new leg. Yeah, yeah, like it looked bad. Well, that's, and it's, that's like... Yeah, so I was happy to hear that. In the NBA or in college basketball, like when you see one of these big men come down wrong and their, like, their leg breaks and the bone pops yeah. out. no. Like that's still just a broken leg. That's going to heal the same way as a normal broken leg would. And it seems like that's what's going on for Aaron Eckblad, which is good. Like this yeah. is a positive yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. absolutely. No. And like as much as I hate the Panthers, like, him personally and the team was playing well. It sucks for them. Um, we got anything else? No. God, no. All right. Fuck this team, man. <laughs> well, that is all the time <laughs> we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all so much for hanging out. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, just go ahead and hit that subscribe button. All you got to do is search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content daily. It's pretty awesome. You won't need Flyers coverage anywhere else, except maybe The Athletic. Go there. Uh, but other than them... Just us. Just us. That's, That's it. it. All right. Uh, for Steph, for Charlie, for Kelly, my name is Bill. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, everybody. We're back real fast. So basically, Charlie said 20 seconds before I wrapped everything up. 
uh, he saw a media alert or a tweet or something that said Shane Gostisbehere of the Philadelphia Flyers has been placed on waivers. The fuck? As soon as we finish the show, they do this. Fuck you. Uh, so we're we're just doing a real quick reaction to this. I, he can't, mm? is anyone so going to claim him? What the fuck? I mean, I don't, I don't, I think there's a, there's a good chance that nobody claims him. I think there is a good chance, but somebody I mean, could. So, uh, to, to what end? Like, do, did you look for a trade partner and couldn't find one? So now he's on, I assume that's what happened. I mean, he's, they've been, they've been looking for a trade partner. Yeah. They looked for a trade partner all last off season and couldn't find someone. So, you know what I was thinking? that I didn't say out loud because I didn't think that it was actually a thing was that his comments recently are kind of a little fuck you Vino in nature. And I wonder if this is kind of like a, we've had enough of you and your bullshit go away from us now. It seems like a very stupid move considering how poorly this team has been playing defense and he's not been the worst one by a long shot. Say he clears you can bury some of his salary in the minors then, yes? I don't know. So no either. I, I think yes. So then maybe this is to create clearing, space for a move? Space? Is he going to be on the Phantoms? What the uh, fuck's that happening That would be here? fucking wild. I, I mean, I just... I said I, I want to change, and like his was the name I first brought up, just because he's been here a while. And but that I, this I is not what we expect. I don't expect him in the long, long term plans here. But like, no, I don't know. Just waving him seems, although like suspicious. It yeah. seems odd. I will say, like, if someone does claim him, you're clear of a lot of money. Yeah, that that's yeah. that's the key. I mean, I think really what this boils down to is probably they. They want to clear some cap space. They they tried to trade Ghost. No one wanted him. So now it's like, well, let's see if somebody wants him to take him for nothing. Because at this point, he's not part of, you know, what we envision as the future. So if we lose him for nothing, that stinks. But, I mean, I can tell you as, as far back as last offseason, the Flyers could not get anyone to take him without paying someone to take him that's, that's so why wild. like that but like that like that's why he was that's why he stayed like the plan my understanding yeah. of what the plan was going into the offseason what he was that he was going to be traded that that was that was going to happen that you know that's how they were going to clear some space that's how they were going to you know potentially work to make moves and the decision was essentially made I've, I've written about this that basically we're not willing to give up a prospect or high pick yeah. just to get out from under shane goss's bears contract so that's the environment that Ghost was in last offseason. Now, granted, he's played better this year. So, you know, I don't know if his value is that low, but it's still a stagnant cap situation. And the, you know, it's hard for teams to justify taking on guys with a $4.5 million cap hit who are probably third pair defensemen at this point. Well, here's an example of the Flyers basically seeing, okay, well, if you're not willing to give us anything, maybe you're willing to take him for nothing. That That's, and I mean, I haven't been able to call anybody or talk to anybody about this yet because I was on a podcast when it got announced. <laughs> it literally <laughs> happened seven minutes ago. But I mean, that's, that's my initial reaction is that, you know, me... Clear space, if not, then gives us flexibility to, you know, taxi squad them, whatever. I mean I don't I don't want to turn this into a whole second like full show, but I do have to like ask a quick question here. Obviously, if they were able to trade Ghost, maybe they get a defenseman back. But like if the plan was to trade him this offseason, 
and like you didn't replace Niskanen. You went and got Gustafson. You moved Samuel Moran to fucking forward. What was the plan on defense a little bit? <laughs> right, seriously, what the <laughs> fuck were they come doing? in with great five and a half question. defensemen? <laughs> that is a great question. Even so, even assuming you didn't know about Matt Niskanen, which they we did. did. Yeah. They did. So remember how pissed off people were when they lost Mark Friedman for nothing? What's going to happen if we lose Ghost for nothing? Oh, we're going to lose their fucking minds. I can't well, imagine. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to take him either, but it, it it would be funny for chaos reasons. I mean, and and we're not the problem is we're not going to know for another 24 hours, and yeah. that pains me deeply because so like, much time. That's so right. much time that I've got to wait to find out. Does I, anyone else oh, Yeah. What? I was just does anyone else have any thoughts? I know we want to get this wrapped up. I'm just I'm like I, I'm baffled. I'm flabbergasted. This <laughs> did not, not see this coming. Like, like out something. of all of my scenarios of what would Chuck do, this was this wasn't nope. waving waving core players was not on my list. Nope, he did something. Pop is very so upset about I guess, it. I guess I can't get mad because he did something. He did something. You did still, this, Bill. He still hasn't added. Something. Still hasn't <laughs> added anything. Still has done nothing to add. But he he's not asleep. That's a good well, sign, I guess. This is, in fact, him moving pieces around and and set up for something else. Let's do you think he that. gets claimed? Do we just? Does anyone? I I, I would I, guess I would a guess possibility. no. Possibility. I I don't know who's got the cap space, and we haven't had the time to like actually analyze it. Yeah, it's like a lot this, of cap this. space to take essentially a flyer on somebody. So right. I don't think so. Huh, but you know he he might be he might be seen as a change of scenery type of guy. Um, I, I think that it's possible. Um, I would have to out. I'd have to do a lot more analysis right now. To I feel see like who a bad team like his type of players get traded at the deadline. I realize yeah. like it's an expensive cap hit, but like if I'm a bad team with cap space, I'd just bring him in and hope I can flip him in a couple of weeks. Like Arizona. Yeah, there you go. We're, we're gonna I, I, I think you guys are overrating the trade value of Shane Goss's bear. I, I don't think he has no, much value, but I'd try to flip him for something. I mean, if let me put it this way. If they've put him on waivers, they've probably tried to flip him. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. God, that's fucking wild. That's, um, I don't know. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Oh, boy. Well, they did Never something. Dull moment. Is, uh, is sure that they- it? Anything else? That's it. That's it. I've, yes. I've got a lot of analyzing to do. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for listening to our postscript. I hope you enjoyed today's show. <laughs> Once again, for Steph, for Charlie, for Kelly, I'm Bill. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah. Who's going to score hockey goals?
I gotta remember to edit this out. I have to run to the bathroom. I'm sorry. <laughs> just gonna leave all of this in the final. We should just leave all of this in the landscaping next door. This is the most thorough landscaping company that I've ever experienced <laughs> in my life. It's been going on for two hours. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Just That's the advertisement. Everyone hired these guys because they're they're doing the work. I have to pee too, but I'm a professional, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> we could put this in at the end, not in the middle. <laughs> Outtakes. This is annoying. I'm going to have to actually do editing. We never edit this show. I know. God damn it, Bill. Ridiculous. You pee before the show, William. Always pee before the show. Yeah, I'm totally going to put some of this at the end. It's going to be like a Marvel post credit. I like it. Easter egg. Shawarma. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's going to get shawarma for dinner. If you're listening to this and you hear it, you win a prize. I don't know what the prize is, but you win one. It's never having to watch the flyers again. Congratulations! Congratulations! You're free. Bluetooth headphones, fam. (laughs) 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 Uh, All right, are we ready? (laughs) Yep.